Welcome back to the Piano Pod. I am Clara Zhang. Hi everyone, I'm Yukimi Song. For anyone joining our show as an audience for the very first time, so glad you're here. Yukimi and I are both classical pianists and piano teachers from New York City. This podcast is for anyone who plays the piano for fun, loves listening to the piano music, or for someone who is pursuing a career in piano, or is simply curious about the world of piano music. In each episode, we interview a guest speaker who has been breaking exciting new ground in the music industry. Before getting started, we want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please rate our show or review on Apple Podcasts because every rating and review will help people find our show. That's right. So for this episode, we are about to interview the sensational Peruvian pianist, bandoneonist, Mr. Claudio Constantini who currently resides in Madrid, Spain. Yukimi discovered him through social media and shared with me one of his real posts on Instagram uh, just a few weeks ago. Oh, yes, the one that he holds uh, and plays the bandoneon on one hand and he the other hand he plays the piano, right? That's and right. He, and he's playing his original composition, Genesis, I think. That's right, that is the one. Yeah, I really loved it and he, you know, I've never seen anyone do that. And not only that, his musicianship. Oh, my goodness. Uh, wow, it was so electrifying. So, Yukimi, tell us how more about how you discovered him. Sure. I mean, so you know, as podcasters, we're always searching for potential guests on our show. And uh, we'll look for someone who is bringing new ideas or new ways to reach out to the audience, uh, into the classical music world either through hashtags or random Instagram suggestions when you uh, tap the search icon on the app, I discovered that particular real post. Mm -hmm. And Mr. Constantini actually has many posts like that on his account. Anyway, I just could not help but Google him and find more video clips on YouTube and start uh, listening to his music on Spotify. Mm, so glad you found him and shared a post with me. Uh, just by watching it, I could tell he was a classically trained pianist. And when you look at his left hand playing the complicated, you know, arpeggios. Uh, and of course, you know, he turned out to be an international concert pianist mm. who performs in major concert venues around the world. So I can't wait to hear how he decided to incorporate these two instruments as part of his artistry. Yeah, me too. Well, he is here, so let's get the show started. You're listening to The Piano Pot, where we talk to the brightest minds in the industry about how they are bringing the piano into the 21st century. We are very excited to introduce our guest of episode 12, Mr. Claudio Constantini, an internationally acclaimed multi-instrumentalist, piano and bandoneon, and a composer in demand. Born and raised in Lima, Peru, into a musical family, his unique style is defined by its solid classical roots paired with a passion for popular music genres, among which Latin American music and improvisation play a key role. Mr. Constantini has performed worldwide in top venues such as Amsterdam's Concert Gabou, the Berlin Philharmonie, the Los Angeles Opera House, among many others. In the next season, Mr. Constantini will appear as a soloist with distinguished orchestras such as the WDR Symphony Orchestra Cologne and the Robert Schumann Philharmonie. 
He will also premiere his own Bandoneon Concerto, which the piece was commissioned to commemorate Astor Piazzolla's centenary of birth, and perform a rhapsody in blue with the Tacoma Symphony in Seattle. Mr. Constantini has released six CD albums, one of them titled America has earned him a nomination for a Latin Grammy Award in 2019 in the category of Best Classical Album. He has been working on the complete piano works by Claude Debussy, of which he has already released two albums, and the first volume was selected among the 10 Best Albums of the Year 2015 by Fanfare Magazine USA. So today, we're going to cover topics including Mr. Constantini's upbringing, his career as classical pianist and bandoneonist, and his latest projects such as his brand new composition Genesis and recording of complete works by Debussy, and so much more. So Claudio, <laughs> we're so honored to have you today and welcome to our show and thank you for joining us. Well, thank Yay. you. Thank you. It's a big, a big pleasure. Big pleasure to be here and to speak with you. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Well, we <laughs> we love your work. So thank you. <laughs> so it's mutual then. <laughs> oh, yes, that's very important. Yeah. Great. So, you know, I found you on Instagram um, because, you know, we're always looking for someone to interview. And then I happened to come across one of your Instagram posts. And on your left hand, you were playing the piano. On the right hand side, you're playing the bandoneon. I think you were playing the your, your piece Genesis. And I was just uh, blown away. So I quickly texted Clara and she share the clip with her and we were like oh my god who is this so um <laughs> first thing i did was i really wanted to share this music to my audience so uh the idea is to put your piece into our playlist so i asked your permission and you were like so kind yeah of course please sure so that's <laughs> how we started our conversation and here we are here you are um you're here so we're very happy now um so for the audience who are listening i really highly recommend to start listening to his pieces but I suggest that you should start with Genesis. I mean, it's just a okay. uh, perfect piece. Genesis is, you know, it's the start. So um, <laughs> but it was just, it's a, another level of tango. Like, you know, Piazzolla was the new tango, then there's another level. So uh, later we, <laughs> we can discuss more about it. But Claudio, so you're tuning in from Spain and how is Spain? How is Madrid right now? Well, uh, right now we're in winter. But uh, it's quite quite warm, mm. quite warm outside. We we've got uh, 17 degrees Celsius. I don't know how much that is in Fahrenheit, but <laughs> it's very enjoyable. You can go uh, to the street just like this, so uh, oh. you don't need that much. Uh, but it's unusual, highly unusual. But anyway, so Madrid is a wonderful city to live in. I'm, I get very inspired with um, with the friendliness that I have here. I also live right next to a big park, uh, Parque del Retiro, which is kind of uh, like the central park of Madrid, much no. smaller, of course, but uh, but it's anyway, it's a big park and I, I love spending my mornings walking there and getting some fresh air and some inspiration. Wow, wonderful. Yeah, but you're not originally from there. You know, you're from Peru. So we're very curious to know your beginnings, how your musical study or musical journey started. So can we start from there? Yeah, sure. Well, my parents uh, are both musicians. My mom is a conductor. 
and my father was a pianist so i got i was involved with music since i was a young uh, child since before i was born actually my mom conducted a concerto once with while i was still in her belly so i listened to music <laughs> even before i was born mm. i nevertheless i wasn't really interested in music until i was 12 years old i could mm. play the piano like i took some uh, melodies uh by ear and i played them with a finger but that's as far as i could but uh then when i was when i was 12 i got so in love with uh, i fell so in love with music uh that i started playing piano all day long mm. so i learned really quickly and uh i woke up at uh, five o'clock in the morning so that i could practice before going to school and then when i came back from school i was playing till the night so th it was absolutely crazy and so i learned really quickly Mm -hmm. I could enter to the conservatory there in Lima. Uh, I was there till 18. Then I left uh, to Finland. I studied uh, my bachelor's degree in Finland. Then I did my master's degree in Holland. Uh, and then I did a diploma in, uh, in the Scola Cantorum in Paris. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was my trajectory. Then I stayed living in the Netherlands for, uh, for some years, working mm -hmm. there. And then I decided to come to Spain. Oh, wow. So you have such um, incredible classical solid training, but it just it happened like almost like all of a sudden, like, you know, before then it was like, you know, music was already always there because of your, you know, upbringing. But all of a sudden, the desire just woken up with something. And here yeah, you. yeah, suddenly it was I, I remember exactly the, the reason. And it was that uh, out of curiosity, I started uh, putting the LP discs of my parents on the L on the long play player, mm -hmm. and I started recognizing the music that my mom conducted and that my father practiced at home. So mm -hmm. Brahms and Chopin and Schumann and everything, mm -hmm. and uh, and suddenly the, I just I saw it, I heard it like with new ears, <laughs> mm -hmm. in a way, and fell in love with it. How was the your schools like um, or? Any particular teachers or events that really spoke to you or influenced you? Yes, I was very lucky with all my teachers. Mm -hmm. So my first teacher was my father. He was my teacher throughout my studies in, in Peru because he was a teacher at the conservatory. Mm -hmm. He was a very, very, very talented pianist. He actually graduated in Juilliard. He was studying with Agustin Anievas many years ago and with Oksana Yablonskaya also there in, uh, in Juilliard. Mm -hmm. And... Um, Afterwards, when I went to Finland, I studied with uh, with two different pianists uh, who were fantastic teachers, really uh, fantastic people as well. They took me really much into care because, you know, I was a young boy who went to the other side of the world and it was uh, not always very easy. Of course, it was very different uh, than my culture and, uh, and it was also tough for me because I had to work a lot so, to be able to sustain my studies. But, so they were great human beings and they were great teachers as well. Mm. And finally, in the Netherlands, I studied with Achilles de Levigne, who was a student of Claudia Rao. Mm -hmm. And he, he was a fantastic, fantastic uh, master. Uh, one of the best teachers I've seen in the world mm -hmm. because I've taken many master classes and I've seen many classes. And he was really a special person. Uh, he, he knew how to how to nurture like the 
the the best side of yourself you know how to mm. he taught you in a way how to find yourself how to find your own your own voice your uh your own personality in the music so he didn't teach anybody in the same way mm. uh his lessons were always full of people where they were like master classes all of them so when he gave a lesson there were always like 40 50 60 people even from different disciplines you know violinists and uh, cellists who wow. came to listen to the lessons because he they were so intense and so interesting and and he was so generous he actually passed away just two weeks ago or three weeks oh, ago so it's so oh, a, a big loss mm. yeah he was a very very close to me mm. but anyways he was uh probably the the greatest musical influence I had in such a close relationship. It's always those mentors who change your life, you know? Um, it's in such a way that sometimes it really influence or sometimes determines your career. Yeah. 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 So yes. it sounds like you're very fortunate to have mentors like that. Wonderful. Yes, I, I consider myself very lucky. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we can't underestimate the power of social media right like we feel like we are posting it for nothing but actually you know we discover each other here so yeah. <laughs> we can't yeah. yeah you never know what will catch the attention of, of whom i mean it's yeah it's, it's a really interesting times it like is. never before exactly and then with this zoom i mean yeah, hello I, we're in new york and you're in madrid yeah. and then we're talking something quite intimate so it's yeah. a very interesting thing anyway so um we want to know the, your performance career um i realized that you're you have substantial not only the background but also career path as a soloist as a solo classical pianist so mm -hmm. um and you performed with numerous orchestras and so forth so can you tell us uh, your brief let's say history and your career uh, in your musical career as a pianist uh, well my career is always um it it has always been difficult for me to actually define mm -hmm. uh what i do because i do so many different things i mean for me it's really clear in my head i like this and i like that and i do this and i do that but it's very hard for me to communicate that to people because uh you know if, if you uh, are uh, an apple uh, distributor and you also sell chickens then it's like what what are you doing <laughs> you don't you don't get a clear message so that's that has always been a source of conflict for me when i present myself to to the public. So um, as a pianist, I started with a very, very linear classical uh, um, classical path in mind, mm -hmm. uh, especially while I was a student. When I was studying, of course, I, I was completely immersed uh, with, with my studies and with the classical repertoire. And mm -hmm. uh, the real change started when I bought my first Bandonian. I was uh, about 20, 21 years old, and and then my horizon expanded somehow, mm. uh, which is funny because before, in, when I was in Lima, I used to work in a piano bar, and I always played popular music, I always mm. played a bit of jazz, I always played Latin American music, but that mm. was kind of like the the hidden side of, of me. And when I when I brought the Bandonian in, uh, this flourished in a professional way, not not just in an amateur way. And uh, it influenced uh, a lot uh, on, of my piano playing, of my piano, of the decisions uh, that I would take further to as as a pianist. And uh, so I tried to mix them up as much as possible. Uh, I tried to play 
when I can, I try to play piano and bandoneon on the same evening, on the same recital. Mm. Even if it's with an orchestra, I, usually, I often play uh, a piano concerto and a bandoneon concerto on the same orchestra because I, I feel like one instrument only tells one side of me and, and not, uh, not the full picture. So I try to offer the, the full picture. <laughs> and specifically with piano, um, I've... Uh, I specialize. I've tried to focus in uh, in specific projects, you know. So not not really like uh, before. I I wanted to play all the repertoire, but then uh, when I started recording, then I started focusing more. Mm. Uh, the first classical album I did was with Debussy, mm. and uh, so that was a, a big focus, and it, it certainly changed and influenced uh, a lot of my of my playing and of my. Uh, performing preferences uh, because mm -hmm. there's there's actually a phrase by Arthur Rubinstein who's uh, my favorite pianist ever I love mm -hmm. him <laughs> and he he said that uh, you shouldn't you should never play a, a piece that you don't feel absolutely comfortable with mm -hmm. so if you if you don't I mean of course you can study everything you should study you should learn by yourself but if if there's if you have trouble communicating with a piece, then you should not co concentrate on that one. You should concentrate mm -hmm. on what you really feel that is yours. And uh, there's people who can manage that with a vast repertoire, but uh, mostly people feel more comfortable with expressing their, I mean, th their personality is expressed mm -hmm. better with a specific composer or a specific type of music. So that's uh, something I've uh, taken to heart. Yeah. Uh, when you know, or, Claudio, honestly, to me, the message you are you know, giving is very clear to us. So um, I think it's the contrary of what you think about yourself. But everybody goes through this phase where, you know, we have this discipline of let's say classical music or some other disciplines and then you know tradition that you inherit from the previous generations right then all of a sudden you hit the point where wait a minute that's who i am too but i am also i have this other side of myself and you feel like there's a disconnect but it's actually connected and so but that makes you a very interesting artist and that makes you a unique artist so the message is very clear and so that's why um, uh, i wanted to know more about you as an artist and as a person so there's one thing I wanted to ask. So speaking of that, as a classical pianist, let's say right now we're going to focus on you as a classical pianist. And then sure. you're currently working on a Debussy works, right? Uh, you're trying to record entire Debussy collection. So yeah. and then I so on the Spotify, you produced CD album, first one and the second one. So yeah. what's your obsession about Debussy? What, how do you relate to the pieces, works of Debussy? Well, Debussy is, is very special to, to me. I, I think that he's one of the few composers that when I play his music or when I hear his music played, it sounds like it's being created on the spot. It's really, it has a spontaneous feel to it, such a spontaneous feel. And uh, it's like, really like it would be improvised in, in the moment. And and it speaks from so deep within. You know, there's a, a big difference for me between Ravel and Debussy, who mm -hmm. are like the two 
big uh, representatives of uh, so-called impressionistic music, in my mind, Ravel looks backwards, kind of like Brahms. You know, Brahms coexisted with Liszt, but he his his kind of writing was uh, coming from Beethoven or mm. from you know go, looking back, while Liszt was looking forward. And for me, it's the same thing. Sort of happens with uh, with Ravel and Debussy. Debussy mm. had uh, imagine his imagination was somehow n- less fixed uh, than than Ravel's. Uh, I'm, of course, this is not better or worse. It's just a characteristic characteristic of his music. Uh, Ravel's framework uh, somehow, actually, you know, Ravel is the next composer. I'm going to record the the wow. full full music once oh I finish goodness. the music. And uh, Ravel is uh, he. Th- there's a funny thing about uh, putting oneself limitations. It actually gives it can give you more freedom. Because uh, Ravel puts strict forms in his uh, stricter forms, or, or more or less than Debussy, in his music, and somehow creates a magnificent piece of of music, mm-hmm. and uh, his imagination flourishes within that framework. Debussy cannot use really a framework; he, his imagination is free. He does he cannot have constraints, so it's it's coming from his ch- childish heart in a way. Mm-hmm. So they, I feel very. I, identified and connected with uh, with this. We just got to hear the inside scoop about your future project, which is Ravel. So we can't wait for that. <laughs> That's wonderful. And yeah. then you also have this another album, well, classical music album, which is called America. When I heard um, there were, let's say, original pieces composed by Gershwin, but also is the Summertime Variations uh, composed by you my composition yeah (laughs) they were incredible i mean one of the variations really literally sounded like debussy yeah there was that Mm -hmm. most probably yeah (laughs) i i love yeah go ahead Mm -hmm. oh well we're here Uh, claudio you mentioned earlier before we started the interview that you were in paris for a few years or even france how long were you there I was actually, um, I never lived in Paris. I oh, okay. lived in, in the Netherlands and I was studying in Paris. So I was going twice a month and staying a few days I to see. study because it was, um, it's called La Scola Cantorum and it's, mm. uh, it's a school that was uh, founded by Gabriel Fauré, Cesar Frank. Oh, and mm. actually I received, it was such a special place. I received my lessons. In the same place uh, where Cesar Frank's organ was, so he was playing and <laughs> and composing there. So it was so inspiring. It was amazing, and you know this this year is Cesar Frank's anniversary, so oh, he's uh, he's also a great composer. I who I love. And anyways, uh, so I I didn't really live there, I, but I, I was studying there, uh, so going there back and forth. Do you think that has a lot of impact on why you're loving? French music so much, Debussy. Yeah, probably yes, probably so, probably so. I guess I I'm absolutely in love with Paris. I have two favorite cities in the world: Paris and New York. Completely oh. different cities, oh. but <laughs> they're my favorite ones. Yeah. Yes. 
I, we, when you're here, we'll take you everywhere. So uh, please let us know. <laughs> yes. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yes. Wonderful. Great. So, so America. So we, I, we live in America. So, and then you yeah. are originally, you are originally from Peru, which is Latin America. So let's talk about yeah. your city back to America. I love the arrangement of Piazzolla pieces on the, the piano, right? And then yeah. I particularly love the Verano Porteño because that's oh. one of my favorite pieces by Piazzolla. So I want to talk about Astor Piazzolla. I mean, if you talk about Bandonio, if you talk about tango music, obviously yeah. he, he's God. So we have to talk about him. I don't know where to start even, but <laughs> tell us your, your feeling, your influence from... Well, I discovered Piazzolla in the same way as uh, I discovered uh, classical composers, by which is by a CD. Uh, mm -hmm. at home, uh, which my parents had. And uh, I, the music sounded fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually had never heard of Andonian before, so I had no idea what that where the sound came from. Uh, I didn't know what the instrument looked like because the CD didn't have a picture. So I, I imagined like some kind of this weird instrument, so I could only imagine it. And years later, I, I just, uh, there was, of course, no, no, there was internet, but uh, at home when I was a child in Peru, we didn't have any internet. So I couldn't even uh, research on the net. So years later, I discovered what a bandonian looked like. And I learned that it was absolutely difficult to play because it, it's, well, it's a very complicated instrument. I fell in love with Piazzolla's music from the first minute because it, it was, uh, it spoke in a such a direct way, passionate way, and honest way, with such a sincerity. There's a phrase by Piazzolla that he said that he, he plays the bandonian standing up while the wow. traditional bandonianists play uh, sitting down. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said that he stood up, he played the bandonian standing up because he wanted to have it closer to his heart. And that's where all his music came from. And that's uh, that's how it sounds uh, to me, Piazzolla's music. So Claudia, I, you know, to prepare for this interview, I did some research, but I realized I really don't know what this instrument is. I have never seen one in person. Um, so I'm very curious. It's over there. <laughs> oh, okay. Can you like uh, maybe describe to our audience that might also be uh, a little clueless like me? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Well, I'll bring it closer so that you can get oh, a glance. Great. Yeah, if you yeah. Can go to us. <laughs> this is uh, accordion. Uh, it is similar to an accordion. Yeah, it's actually a kind of like a cousin of the accordion. Oh, good. So, That's so good. it has bellows in the middle, Beautiful. open like this, and it has a keyboard like this. Right. Yeah, and it's right. it's a very very complicated system. It's beautiful. Uh, because you know when you when you press a, a button, right. and you open the bellows, you get a, a note, and uh -huh. when you close the bellows, you get another one. So that means the the keyboard changes. So if, for example, if I have C, mm. I open it, and then I press the same one and close it, mm. and it's a D. Wow. Yeah, and there's no relation whatsoever. I mean, it's it's not there's no interval relationship. Can be a fourth, it can be a second, a third. So it's really really crazy instrument to learn. That is beautiful. When did you start learning this uh, instrument? Uh, when I was about twenty one years old, I was oh, wow. living in Finland. 
was right. living in Finland and I uh, I bought one. I asked for a loan and I bought one. Uh, it came from Buenos Aires, all the way from Buenos Aires. I bought it by post mail. So I couldn't even get to see it, but uh, it was a good one, fortunately. Oh, that's so beautiful. Yeah, I always love the <laughs> accordions. And, the, you know, I grew up in China and over there in the beginning, I remember I had the choice of learning keyboard or accordion, but... Oh, really? I was so small and I was like, I can't carry this. This is so heavy, you know? So, but it was like a popular <laughs> instrument. And fast forward, my yeah. teacher, actually, I still have a teacher. He's Argentinian and he plays with oh. accordionists very often. So I get to listen to it. I mean, at least pre-pandemic. So it's a wow. beautiful, beautiful instrument. That I, I Yeah, it's very, very beautiful. Very warm. And uh, so I know you you said you, <laughs> you started studying it when you were... When you were older, right? 20, when you were 21, yeah. Old. And how were you able to eventually sort of match that within the piano? And did you have to like, how long did you have to practice every day to become really good at it? I actually quit playing the piano in, oh able to, in, in order to, yeah. to be able to learn it. When I That's finished my bachelor study. degree, I, uh, I quit playing piano for almost two years. And wow. I dedicated full time to the Mandonian. And then so I came back to the piano and I, I did. Yeah, well, not really. I was uh, 22 or something. I was 23. And when I bought the Mandonian, I still had to finish my piano studies. And so I did that with the Mandonian. I dedicated fully to that, uh, to learning music, to listening to music, transcribing music. And, uh, and getting to learn the instrument on my own, of course, because there was no teacher there. Wow! Uh, so it, it was a big, big challenge, very big challenge. But uh, I was so dedicated that within six months of uh, having had my bandone, I had my first concert. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I would love to come to your bandone. When you come to New York, you have to bring. Well, I'm sure you will. <laughs> I yeah, I, I would love to. I would love to go. When did you realize this was part of your identity as a musician because you were starting out as a classical musician and then you discovered this instrument and you got yeah. obsessed and then now this is part of you as a identity right um but yeah i couldn't say exactly because uh you know when i bought it i thought that i'm never going to be able to play uh at a professional level because it's such a difficult instrument to play and mm. and i'm actually a pianist so you know i was kind of lying to myself and putting a limit to myself which which i shouldn't have but anyways uh i said something but i acted otherwise i acted as if i'm going to dedicate to this so mm. um and I think that the, the Bandorian was a part of me even before I started playing it because I listened to, to music with Bandorian before mm. I got the, the, the instrument and, and it was the music I listened to the most, actually. Mm. Piazzolla music and, and other Argentinian tango players as mm. well. You dedicate this one piece to um, celebrate Piazzolla's 100th birthday uh birth year yeah. which was last year so you composed yeah. a bandonian concerto correct yes yes can that's right can you tell us a little and you were about to perform this next year in the united states so can you tell us yeah. more about it please <laughs> yeah sure this was a commission from the from an orchestra here in spain in andalusia in the south uh so we did the premiere in april of last year of 2021 
uh, we played uh, two concerts. And then I played it also in, uh, in July and uh, with Malaga Philharmonic in, in Spain also. And uh, I'll, I'll perform it, as you said, in Seattle. I can't remember now if it's in March 2023. And uh, that's going to be with the Tacoma Symphony Orchestra. Um, and it's, it's a great opportunity. So this, uh, this concerto is about 30 minutes long and three movements. So... It's a uh, it's an, uh, tribute to Piazzolla, and in in a sense, it has a lot of Piazzolla elements, mm. but it's modeled as a classical concerto. So it has the classical concerto form, speci especially the first movement. It's quite structured, you know, with a with a concerto form. I wanted to create a, a music which is uh, not too contemporary in. In, in sound mm. so that it can uh, reach uh, so that a wider amount of public of audience can understand it mm. you know so it, it is kind of modern in a way it, it doesn't use traditional harmony all the time mm. but as it's quite simple if i mean if you compare it to modern uh, academic music it's, it's not a tonal it's always in, tona in a tonality mm. um and it's very melodic as well. So uh, I wanted to make it very enjoyable because it's also quite long, 30 minutes long. It's quite mm. quite a, a long piece mm. uh, for full orchestra as well. It's uh, There's not many Bandonian pieces uh, for orchestra. Not even Piazzolla himself composed uh, such, full, such large scale pieces. I mean, he composed uh, concertos. Mm. But the orchestration is usually for a chamber orchestra. So it is either right. strings or either mm. strings and winds. Mm. Uh, so not a full symphonic orchestra. Is there any way we can listen to this? Like, yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah. The, the premiere is uh, on YouTube. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. So we yeah. can just type in, uh, uh, what's the title of the piece? Bandonium Concerto. But now mm -hmm. I have to look up how it's actually put in YouTube so that you can find it. Yes. because I don't I don't remember if it's in English or or in Spanish. <laughs> Spanish. Yeah, because it also has a subtitle which is Concierto Porteño, ah, and Concierto Porteño, Porteño is is uh, Porteño is uh, like you know Estaciones Porteñas from mm -hmm. Piazzola. Mm -hmm. Porteño is uh, it means that it's from Buenos Aires because Buenos mm -hmm. Aires is the port city, mm -hmm. and uh, the people from Buenos Aires uh, refer to themselves as Porteños. Oh, I see. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's why it's named like this. Just uh, let us know the link later, and then we'll make sure to put that in the description section in this YouTube and also in that um, simple cast so that everybody can watch it. So with this, you know, Piazzolla influence, you uh, have the album called Obstinado, and are they yeah. all piece pieces by Piazzolla? No, Obstinado are mostly my own pieces. There's just really? uh, one or two piazzolas, yeah. I see, wow. And then you have also uh, the album called 20th Century Tango and Piano Cosmos. Yeah. And yeah. so Piano Cosmos are all original, your piano solo compositions yes. of tango yes. music. And a 20th Century Tango was an arrangement or? 20th Century Tango is uh, an album which I recorded with my wife, mm -hmm. uh, who's a pianist. And oh, wow. uh, and I, I'm performing Bandonian in this album, so it's a piano Bandonian duo. And the idea there was to play uh, tango compositions of classical composers. Mm -hmm. So there's tango of Sutti, of Stravinsky, of Milot, uh, Schnitke, 
and they are paired with some traditional tango composers such as Dino Salusi or uh, Horacio Stamponi or, or Horacio Salgan or Piazzolla. So the, 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 you have a contrast there. Stravinsky wrote a tango. He music? wrote one tango. Yeah, really? it's, it's for the originally for piano solo. It's a very short tango. Very interesting. Just every day I, I learn something new. That's why I love what I do <laughs> with this podcast. You have worked with a lot of orchestras, right? Uh, as a pianist and also as a, I'm still learning. Bandonist. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. It's hard to play and it's hard to pronounce as well. That's right. I have to learn <laughs> the pronunciation first. So how was your experience learn, uh, working with all these different orchestras? Well, uh, fantastic. Uh, last year, I... Played with quite a few, maybe like thirty or something. Oh my goodness! In, yeah, in Spain, so practically all the Spanish orchestras, and it has been great, really, really great. I've performed my own concerto. I've performed Piazzolla's concerto. I've performed Gershwin. Mm-hmm. I've performed some uh, piano arrangements of myself of Latin American pieces. So uh, it's, it's been a, a lot of uh, different uh, repertoire. I love playing with uh, with orchestra. It's uh, one of the things I enjoy the most. And usually, you don't get to do that so much, but this year has been quite unusual in the number of orchestras that I've played with. And I think you're really setting up a good example for you know all the musicians in the world that it's possible. You know, even during the pandemic, you're able to work with so many different orchestras. Must be very exhilarating, like experience, right? During this time that, but live yeah. music not as uh, present as it used to be. Yes. So yes. that is beautiful. And we also, yeah, and I know that you sometimes uh, play, we talked about this before, like you play on one hand on piano and the other hand on Bodoni. Like how do you even balance that? Well, that's quite, that's you come up with a cra- crazy thing. No, actually I saw uh, a Finnish Bandonianist doing that. Okay. Uh, yeah, a Finnish bandonian is called Miko Helenius. He's a wonderful musician and uh, a friend of mine. Mm. And once he tried it out, and and I thought, oh, that's crazy. That's impossible. He he, he must be a genius. Right. And uh, I told this once to to another friend of mine who I often play with, who's Erwin Schrott. He's a world famous baritone opera singer. And uh, he told me, next concert we do together, you're, we're going to play like this. You're going to play piano and bandonian, and I'm going to sing oh, together wow. with you. And so he challenged me. And yeah. so I took the challenge and we did it. We played in the, in the Munich Opera House, uh, oh. over 2,000 people. And, uh, and I, did, I did that there for the first time together with him. Wow, so yeah. special. You know, I, I think these days that we were talking about social media, right? That's like the new age. A lot of things really happen with like these 100-day practice challenges or, you know, like all kinds of different challenges it comes about. Yeah. And then we kind of force to our limit. Okay, let's do it publicly. And so are you just mostly doing this for fun or do you intend to actually make a recording well, of that? I was... I was doing it just for fun uh, yeah. in the past years, but actually my next show, my next uh, big project, which is uh, my next album, I'm going to perform it in that way. So I'm going to perform on piano and on bandoneon, both separately and together. And I'm busy now learning all the parts. Uh, the first show is going to be in April, at the end yeah. of April. So I, I've still got a, a couple of months to learn it, but it's really probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. So <laughs> no... No Rachmaninoff or no Ravel is uh, as hard as this. <laughs> I know. I'm, 
I'm sitting here thinking, like you know, before the show, you were sharing that you work out every morning and listen to the podcast. I'm thinking, wow, this has to be like it's not exactly light, right? It's pretty heavy too. So to be able to yeah, the balance and that yes, but I I found a way. I've I've uh, tried tried it out quite a lot, and I found a way. Actually, I use a strap to strap it on, to my leg to one of oh, my legs. So then. It. I have a better balance and it doesn't fall out because that right. was actually the main issue, how to, how to actually get a good sound. Because if you don't have, you're not in control of the instrument, then the sound is weak. Wow. So that's such a unique combination. And you're probably one of the first people to do this in the whole entire world, you know? And so we can't wait to, you know, hear the recording of it eventually. It's <laughs> so cool. <laughs> that's right. Was that a pandemic project or like something yeah. to do during okay so we have to speak about pandemic obviously this has changed all of us especially particularly yeah. musicians how mm. not only we lost the opportunity of live performance but and most of us that was the livelihood now then mm. You know, we had to shift attention toward more digital world, and then maybe that's one of the reasons you started some something silly, something to have fun. But yet now, like maybe you are trying to make recordings or something like that. So, can you tell us about the effect of pandemic? Sure. Yeah, actually, the pandemic when it hit, uh, suddenly all my concerts got cancelled, of course, and uh, I spent most of the year. With no performances, no income, so it was a very tough time emotionally and financially, just like for everybody else. But I think it was uh, probably the one of the most positive things that has happened to me in my life was to to get the opportunity to shut everything off and rethink many things uh, musically, personally. It has been a, a really a new beginning for me as a person, spe、uh, especially as a person.、Mm. And of course, this affects、uh, the music because I don't think that you can separate one from the other. I learned to be absolutely honest with、uh, with, with myself and with the decisions that I make and with the the things that I value and the things I stand by.、Mm. And、uh, this affected、uh, all the musical decisions and paths、mm. that I took. Piano Cosmos actually is.、Uh, Which is a, a series of five EPs, so five short uh, albums, mm. Um, mm. was the product of the pandemic. So I, I s- s- sat at the piano every day for hours, just writing music and playing,、mm. and、uh, I selected、uh, pieces from what I wrote, and and I decided to go to a studio, record them, and publish them I, without really expecting to do much with that in、uh, terms of concerts, because of course there was is no possibility of concerts. But I just wanted the music to exist, and、uh, other than just in my head. And、uh, that's why Piano Cosmos exists. And Incandescence, which is my、uh, upcoming album and project,、uh, of which Genesis is the first single,、mm. uh, it was—it's actually a conceptual album.、Uh, mm. I don't really speak about it, but、uh, in in a, in a concise or open way. But、um, I planned it from a from I. Did a short story. I imagined a short story, a story of、uh, things coming from the subconscious of、uh, this, like the spiritual side of of oneself, and how、um, many things are 
not erased, but blocked by all the things that we have to go through in our lives. You know, we, we even uh, artists tend to go in straightforward paths. You know, you study, you try to get a job or you try to get concerts or you try to do this or that. Uh, because you know the paths of all the people that have come before you so you mm. try to imitate the ones that you that you prefer the ones you like the most or the ones that you would wish that you you would do mm. uh, and on the way uh, you might forget or you might oversee many things which could be important to you uh, which are important actually mm. to you uh, and one of them is uh, for me the connection to other people mm. and this is something that uh, I really really concentrate a lot uh, in my music and in my performances mm. and that's one of the things I actually love about social media is that I, I can directly co uh, communicate with people in a, in an open and honest way mm. uh, in, in, in an immediate way mm. uh, by a post or by a live or by a reel or by whatever and I, I take this in, in the music that I perform also publicly and in Candescence this project uh, which started in the pandemic uh, has all to do with that it has to do with everything that comes from the subconscious and all the possibilities that we don't nourish uh, mm. because of these blockages and uh, so it's really the the story of the tra uh, the journey of a, of a person from the subconscious mm. towards a uh, sort of enlightenment and connection with everything and uh, and uh, with the, the surroundings and with the people so yeah that's kind of like the short version of the of the story of incandescence that's pretty deep and uh yeah but these things you think during a time like pandemic where you know everything has stopped and you just have to i don't know it's a scary time and it makes us feel so vulnerable and search yeah. for answer and sometimes you whether you are religious or not you just look up and just pray for something right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's things that are just bigger than than oneself, and uh, it's very easy to forget uh, if you live a bu busy life in which you concentrate on just a few things, even if they're very important things. Once you concentrate on a few things, you're immediately overlooking others, and you're everybody is destined to do that, of course. But uh, there are certain levels, you know. You can overlook a few things or many things. And, and I took a holistic, I don't know if that's the right word, but a holistic uh, mm -hmm. approach to life, concentrating in, in, in all of my surroundings. I started to meditate. I started to, to read a lot and to listen to podcasts a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that being more aware of, of, of the immediacy of the moment have you started meditating for a long time or is this uh, yeah during the pandemic during the pandemic i i started actually uh, it's been maybe a year and a half since i started meditating mm -hmm. uh and i i've been wanting to do it since before because i learned of all the benefits it had but i i didn't know how to do it so i investigated a lot and and finally i found this um uh, that, that transcendental meditation goes very okay. well, works very well I for do. me. Yes. Oh, really? TM. Yes, I'm a TM practitioner. Yes, wonderful. Yeah, well, that's that's wonderful. Yeah, so it, I do it every day and it's it has changed. I mean, a lot of has changed because of that. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's not only that, it's a, 
approach to everything because once you know once you start changing one thing like uh you want to have better health and so you start eating better but maybe you also want to go to the next level and you meditate and you do exercise and then good things just start piling up so it's a I like to uh, try to get used to good habits. <laughs> mm-hmm. We do this thing where we try to keep ourselves busy all the time because we don't want to be in that place, you know, because it's a, such a scary place to be. But this pandemic taught us it's not as scary as you think. And mm-hmm. you you have to come back to yourself, you know, and mm-hmm. meditation, of course, is one of the tools to help you to get there. but there are so many other ways to connect with yes. yourself yeah thank you for sharing that um so you mentioned briefly about you know genesis so let's talk about genesis right so that's that's the first thing i heard on instagram and i just couldn't help but sharing that to clara first and then clara was like oh my gosh who is this what is this and then <laughs> this is a new level of tango i mean you know you talk about piazzola is nuevo tango but what is this genesis so tell us about (laughs) this you know your composition but also there is an album this is one of the 12 pieces of this album coming up in yeah so can you tell us a little bit more yeah sure well this um this album is called incandescence as i said and um genesis is the first piece it's, uh, I mean, the album is uh, a mixture of, of many of my influences uh, as a composer, as a classical composer, as a tango performer, and as a jazz musician. So it's, I don't like really putting labels, but uh, if I would have to say what it is, it's kind of like a jazz fusion album, mm-hmm. I would say. So uh when you hear bandonian you hear tango so uh, that's kind of if you know the bandonian if you know the tango the sound is of the tango so there's always going to be a little bit of that Mm. uh but i always um i always try to take the bandonian out of the context of tango because actually its origin has nothing to do with tango it's a german instrument which was invented to play in churches you know church music and uh, and salon music as a piano would play and it uh, it got to argentina and to the tango by accident so um it's really a versatile instrument and um in in genesis and in the whole of the album in cadescence i is w- one of the things i do to show this mm. versatility of the instrument mm. and of course in this uh, album i also play the piano so i overlap i overdub uh, myself playing the piano and playing the bandonian mm. and actually the, sometimes there's even more than one bandonian or even more than one piano at the same time so i play over myself a few times wow. of course the show is going to be just in a in quartet format uh, i have I have to rearrange the music so that it fits Mm-hmm. Uh, but the album, uh, I really didn't want to put any limitations to myself. Uh, I, I, if I thought that a second piano is needed here, I just put it in, and, and that's it. Because it's, it's such a conceptual album. And, and Genesis is, um, I spoke about the subconscious, so Genesis actually the subconscious is, uh, is the piece in which many themes uh, will reappear in later 
pieces throughout the album and uh this is generating all these uh, all these ideas and all these melodies are generating in the subconscious and but they don't really get a, a, a proper development or they don't really get to somewhere they're just like floating around and then suddenly they finished and a new one comes so that was the idea of genesis that's why it's such a crazy piece so you briefly mentioned to me uh us that uh so there's a series of pieces so I think I saw another piece, but the same design album cover. So yeah. Genesis, and then what's the second piece that you just? What was what, the name of that piece? The second, the second piece is it's called Alone, and it okay. was released in uh, on last Friday. So you can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. And then you are slowly producing each one of piece like, until May. Yeah, so yeah, the, one by the one. album is fully mm -hmm. is fully produced, uh, mm -hmm. but I'm releasing a, a single, one single each month, mm -hmm. not the whole album. So I'm going to release four singles, and after the mm -hmm. fourth single, then I will release the full album. Will come oh, out in I May. See. Okay, listeners and viewers, be sure to check out his uh, Genesis and Alone. Uh, they are out right now on Spotify or um, and also Apple iTunes, yeah, also? yeah, yeah okay. iTunes, Google mm -hmm. Music, uh, mm -hmm. Deezer, all, all of the streaming platforms. This is our tradition, and uh, you know we're our honor to have so many amazing artists come to our show. So, any last word of uh, advice for young musicians and young piano music learners? Well, there's so many different valuable advices that I I could say, and and each case is each individual case is special. Uh, but I I believe that uh, to to be a musician or to be to have any profession, mm -hmm. you need to have uh, such deep love uh, for what you do. It might be a bit difficult, or it might not necessarily be the thing for you. But uh, that's probably one one of the biggest pieces of advice I could say. It's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, our audience will benefit from all these uh, very much, you know, and you're really making yourself as this 21st century musician through mm -hmm. all different media, you know, uh, social media and the, your different way of uh, presenting yourself and the music that you're playing and mm -hmm. different instruments. That mm -hmm. is really cool. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Big pleasure. Now, we are going into fun segment of this show. <laughs> so we're going to end on the positive note. Very much pun intended here. So let's start. Claudio, we will ask fun questions and we would like for you to answer them with sh the shortest answers possible for each question. I'll try my best. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Nothing to be scared of. Okay. What is your comfort food? Hamburgers. Ooh, America. <laughs> Cats or dogs? Dogs. What is your word or words to live by? Passion and purpose. Passion and purpose. Amazing. Excellent. What is the most important quality you look for in other people? Honesty. What is the worst quality in people you want to stay away from? Falsehood. Name three people who inspire you, living or dead. Arthur Rubinstein, mm -hmm. Astor Piazzolla, mm -hmm. Bill Evans. Bill Evans, great. Yeah, great artist. Oh, yes. wow. All right, so name one piece in your current playlist. 
Genesis. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And then it's in our playlist as well. So check it out. Okay. <laughs> Excellent choice. Our stories this week. So tune in. And one book title in your library. Oh, how do you say this in English? Uh, this, uh, you from can Herman say in Hiss, Spanish. You can say in Spanish. El, el Lobo Estepario, which is this, the, the wolf, something like the wolf from Herman Hesse. Interesting. It's a classic. I just mm. read it. Uh, I finished it last week for the second time, so that's why it's fresh in my mind. Okay. Do they have an English version? Or for sure, yeah, for okay. sure, for sure. But mm. I just don't know the English title. Mm. But it's one of his uh, one of his top uh, works. So something to do with a wolf. <laughs> something to do with a wolf. <laughs> yeah. You get only one song or piece to listen to for the rest of your life. What is it? Well, that's very easy. That's the Brahms Requiem. Oh, yes. Yeah. Actually, actually, previous guests said the same thing. Yes. Oh, oh really? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. I've I've thought about that question many times in my life, <laughs> and uh, and actually, it it is one of my top pieces, but it's mm -hmm. not necessarily my top piece. But the reason why I mm -hmm. would choose it is because it's so long that uh, <laughs> I could, I uh, you know, I can discover more things and it also has mm -hmm. so much orchestration because mm -hmm. otherwise I could also choose a very short piece like a Brahms intermezzo. Brahms is my favorite composer by the way. Mm -hmm. So uh mm -hmm. so but but it I, it's so short and that then three minutes I would have to listen over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's right absolutely so it's kind of a logical based mm -hmm. answer. All right well last question last not least music is blank fill in the blank uh, life. Music yes. is wonderful. Beautiful. Ding, 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 you win. Yeah, you won. Yay. Thank you so much. That was really fun. Thank yeah, you. it was nice. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm oh, well, surprised I'm... I could, I could uh, answer so briefly. Oh. Really good. <laughs> you were very, very brilliant. And then thank you so much for this wonderful conversations. Uh, very inspiring, yeah, and I'm sure I'm sure it was the same for our audience as well. So sadly, this concludes this episode of the Piano Pod. And thank you, Claudio, for joining us today and sharing your wonderful stories, insights, and expertise. And you can find more information about him on his website at claudioconstantini.com. And I want to encourage you, audience, to listen to his latest uh, song, "Alone," Peace Alone, and also Genesis, and more, so much more. So all the links are listed in the description. Thank you, to thank our you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Yes, and the fans for tuning in today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please read and review on whatever pla podcasting platform you use. If you're watching us on YouTube, remember to hit the thumbs up button and be sure to subscribe to our channel. You can also <laughs> find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. The links are in the description below. If you're interested to be the guest or want to recommend someone to be on our show, or you'd like to sponsor or collaborate with us, shoot us an email at thepianopodnyc at gmail.com or send us a direct message via social media. We'll see you for the next episode of The Piano Pod. Bye, everyone, and thank you, Claudio. Thank, thank you, you so much. It's very thank fun, you. big pleasure. Gracias. Thank you. Gracias. Gracias. <laughs>